And let me explain real quick, let me remind us why this is so important. Why we're talking about anxiety. I want to give you a number. That number is 19. 19%. 19% of Americans suffer from severe anxiety. I'm not talking about, you know, when we fret a little or we worry a little. I'm talking about severe, severe anxiety. You know, where they have sleepless nights, where, where their, their anxiety robs them of their relationships, robs them of their joy. They're, they're, they're bounded constantly with anxiety. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're talking about that, 19%. That means one out of five people. One out of five people. It could be you. It, it, it could be someone that you know, someone that you love, someone that you care about. And so that's why this series is so important. 19% severe. Not only that, but a lot of us, we, we go through anxiety. You might not be a part of that 19% of severe anxiety, but you have anxiety. And you go through it. And so this is for all of us, because I believe all of us go through some type of anxiety at some point in our lives. I want to look at our key passage again. We've been reading this. And I want to keep reading this passage because I want this to get uh, in your mind and your heart. It's so important. Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 to 8. And we're encouraging you to memorize this passage of Scripture. I hope you're doing that. There's power in memorization. And, uh, and I'm going to encourage you, you know, uh, hopefully memorize verses 4, 5, and 6 this week to add another verse, to add verse number 7. And, uh, and to memorize the, this passage. Uh, and hopefully by the end of this series, you will have memorized this entire passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, Verse 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, that's what we're after, right? We're after the peace of God. He said, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about just things. The passage of scripture that we're in has been a bedrock of healing for so many people that are going through anxiety. I want to do a quick review of what we've talked about so far in the past couple of weeks. Week number one, we look at the letter C that stands for celebrate. We're to celebrate who God is. We're to celebrate the fact that God is good and that God is in control. That's foundational. That's about a belief. Your belief precedes your behavior. And so we are to rejoice in the Lord, not in our circumstances, not in the bad things that's going on, but we are to rejoice no matter what, 
we are to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul says again, let me remind you, I'll say it again, rejoice, celebrate. Last week, we look at the letter A. That begins with the word ask. We're to ask God for help. We're to ask God for help. We're to pray to him. We challenged you last week to get specific. Get specific in your prayers. You know, we all, from time to time, I think a lot of time, our default mode when it comes to prayer is very ultra-generic. You know, it's very generic. And I'm not saying that God can't use those type of prayers. That's not what I'm advocating. But what I am saying is that we kind of miss the mark when it comes to asking God specifically to unload our anxiety on him. And he said to do that. He said to cast all of your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Talk to God like you would talk to a counselor. You'll pay a counselor to unload everything on him. He's just listening. He's trying to get out of you from, you know, what's inside of you so you can hear it, you know, so that you can hear what's going through in your life. And so that's what we want to do with God. And listen, prayer is not for his benefit. He knows. Of course he does. He knows everything about your situation. It's not for his benefit, but for yours, for your benefit. Today, we're going to look at the word letter L, list. You list your blessings. We're going to list your blessings. Next week, we're going to look at the letter M. It's still blank. That's going to make some of you anxious. So we've got to be back here next week. <laughs> got to come back. Can't be here next week. Come on, watch online. But today, we're going to talk about listing your blessings. Our goal today is to list all the things that you're grateful for. In other words, to count your blessings. I know that doesn't sound super spiritual, but I hope by the end of today, you'll see the power in listing your blessings. You'll see the power in gratitude. In fact, the big idea for today's message is that gratitude is an antidote. It's an antidote for anxiety. It's the antidote for anxiety. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, this is our key verse. I want to look at this verse again. And I really want to unpack today one word. But let's look at this whole verse in its content. Verse number 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, good or bad, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. We are to present your request to God. The Greek word for thanksgiving is the word eucharistias. Eucharistias. The Greek word, which also means gratitude. This one little Greek word is a power-packed word. And from this word, we get a word that many of you will recognize. You'll see a word that comes out of you, Eucharistias, the word Eucharist. Eucharist. Eucharist simply means communion, uh, the Lord's Supper. Here at Lake Point, we do communion about once a quarter. 
but we take a few minutes to reflect on what Jesus did for us. We take a piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus that was broken for you and for me. We take a little cup of juice and we drink it to remember and to be grateful for the blood that was shed for the remission of sin. And so every time we take communion, it's an opportunity for you and for me to be grateful for salvation. Be thankful for salvation. My friend, this is the starting point for gratitude. The starting point for gratitude is salvation in Jesus. And, and listen, we, we, we've, we've heard the blessed life. You know, you, and the blessed life is simply this. Here's the blessed life. At its core, is simply salvation. If you get nothing else, you still have the blessed life because you have eternal life with Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is the sum of the blessed life. And found in this word thanksgiving, we are thankful because we are blessed. And why are we blessed? Not because of material things we have. We are blessed because of a relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And so we see that word Eucharist. But there's another word that comes out of that word Eucharistios, right? And that word is the word charis, charis. It's right there in the middle of that word Eucharist, Eucharistios. And that word simply means grace. That's the Greek word for grace. And you may have heard it before, but grace simply means God giving you, God giving me what we don't deserve. His unmerited favor, the unmerited favor of God. When, you, when, when, when we see Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God said, let there be light, that was an act of grace. When God gave you life, that's an act of grace. When God gave you breath, that, my friend, is an act of grace. When he filled you with the Holy Spirit, that's an act of grace. From the food that you eat, to the air that you breathe, to the water that you drink, it's grace upon grace upon grace. And so we are thankful for the gift that God gives us. We're thankful for his unmerited favor, his unmerited gift to us, his grace. And it's found in that word, in that word thanksgiving. When we read Philippians 4, verse number 6, Man, it encompassed that idea that we are thankful. We should be thankful for God's grace. There's another, you know, root word of a Greek word that found in this power pack word, Eucharistios, it's the word charis. A little bit different than the word care, you know, I'm sorry, care A little bit different from charis, just that one little letter, you know, the, you know drop the I-S, after the end of charis, you add the letter A, you get the word, a Greek word that's translated into the word joy. Joy. We can have joy because of the relationship we have in Jesus Christ. And when we become a Christian, when we become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits is joy. And God allowed that joy to come in Bring from the inside and work its way out. Joy. And so when we look at this word, Thanksgiving, Eucharistios, 
It encompassed all three of these ideas, salvation and grace upon grace and joy. Now, I had someone after church, after the first service, that said, God, I found another, a fourth word. It's the word euchre. I say, no. <laughs> you weren't listening, were you? Anyway, that's irrelevant, okay? All right, but some of you are thankful for euchre. All right, so there you go. Gratitude is an antidote for anxiety. It's a powerful little word. It's word eucharistias. If you're taking note, you see this. Grace is what you receive. Joy is what you experience. And gratitude is what you give. That one little word, thanksgiving, in every situation. We are blessed with grace. We can experience joy because of what he's done. And we can give out gratitude. We can be thankful. We can live out a life of gratitude because of Jesus. I'll give us three powerful thoughts about gratitude and how it fights anxiety in our life. Number one, gratitude changes our perspective. Gratitude changes our perspective. Now, what does perspective mean? What well, we the Latin word, you know, uh, the word perceive in the Latin means to look through, to look through. It, it, it has its idea how you see something differently. In other words, you have two different people, they'll see something, the same thing, but one would see it one way, the other would see it a different way. How, how many of you, uh, you remember this thing called the magic eye? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Remember with the picture and it was just a bunch of colors, it was all, you know, design, didn't look like much. But if you stare at it long enough, what happened? You get a 3D object, a 3D, uh, I don't know, uh, a unicorn, <laughs> a 3D rainbow, some crazy object that would popped up. Now for the longest time, uh, people were telling me that this worked, that magic eye worked. And I just thought, you know what? I don't see anything. And for the longest time, I thought people were just lying. I thought this was not true, this isn't happening, you know, because I didn't see it. Everybody else could see it. And so one day, you know, I walked by and the, the, the person had it on his wall, a magic eye poster. It didn't look like much. And I, I was like, oh, you've got one of those. He said, oh, yeah, it works. I said, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, so well, here's what you got to do, Scott. You got to squint your eyes. And then you got to kind of look through it. In fact, you got to kind of look beyond it. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay, I'll do my best. And I stood there for the first five minutes. And I said, look, he said, look in the middle of that picture. And, and I'm starting to look. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a 3D dolphin popped up. I mean, it was life-changing. And I was so excited, I raised my hand and said, yes, 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 I see it. But then it went away because I moved. And I never saw it again, and that was it, you know? <laughs> Perception, what you perceive. And gratitude, it changes our perspective. And the Apostle Paul, he could have looked at his current situation at face value. And he, and he could have been complaining. I mean, here he is, he's in prison. You know, he's in Rome. He was hoping to be 
you know, starting churches in Rome, but he's in prison, and, and you thought, man, this is terrible. This is awful. He could have said, man, this is, this, my, my, my mission is over. My dreams are crushed. Life is not fair. This is wrong. I mean, I get out of it alive. When you look at Philippians 1, verse 12 and 13, I, I want you to see this from the BPV version. That's the bad perspective version. And if the Apostle Paul had a perspective where he was looking at life at face value, this is what he could have wrote. He said in verse number 12, he said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, it really stinks. My God has failed me. My God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. And then he said, and because of all that, because of all that I've been through, I'm quitting life group. I'm never coming back to church. Life's not fair. Can, can anybody relate to the bad perspective version? I know I can from time to time. You know, uh, we look at our situation and say, man, this is bad. I've got anxiety. It's getting worse. I can't function. I don't know what to do. But Paul had a different perspective. He looked through the circumstances and he saw things differently than what we sometimes see. And look what he actually wrote in verse number 12. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, watch this. He said, that what has happened to me, he said, all these things that look bad, he said, it's actually served to advance the gospel. He said, as a result, it has become clear that throughout the whole palace, and all the palace goes, and to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. You see, it's all about perspective of gratitude. Paul says, hey, don't worry about me. I'm doing okay. In fact, who would have said, I'm doing better than I deserve? I, I, I had someone say that to me one time. You know, you said someone, you asked someone, say, hey, how's it going? You expect one of two answers. I'm doing good or not so good, right? And, and, and one day I was just, you know, randomly asked somebody, I forgot who it was, but I said, hey, how's it going, man? And he smiled at me. And said, Scott, I'm doing better than I deserve. I am doing better than I deserve. He had a perspective that no matter what, I have Jesus and nothing else matters. And Paul said, man, don't worry about me. I'm doing better than I deserve. My God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My God is working for good in all things. Therefore, I've got a new perspective. I see that what has happened has actually advanced, has actually served to advance the gospel for his namesake. They think that they're chained to me, but they're actually chained to Jesus because I'm going to be talking about Jesus all day long. I have a platform. It may not be what I thought it was going to be, but I'm preaching Jesus. Whoever changed me eight hours in an eight-hour shift, they get to hear about Jesus. And I get to write this letter about how to live 
with gratitude. It's all about perspective. And that's what gratitude does. Gratitude, it changes your perspective. But here's the second thing, that gratitude builds grit. It builds grit. Notice I didn't say grits. Grits is something you eat. If you go south of the Mason Distance Line, this might be a very popular breakfast choice. And I lived down there, and I just thought it was kind of weird. I mean, people took their grits, and I tried it before. It had no taste. I don't understand. I don't understand a thing about grits, you know. But you know, I've seen people take their grits, take their scrambled eggs, and they this is this is nasty, people. It's gross. But they just mix it together. <laughs> Terrible. I offended a couple of people in the first service. I'm sorry if I offended you, because I'm just telling you, that's just not right. It's just not right. <laughs> All right? And, and by the way, that, that's how my wife rolls, and, and, and so we, you know, she loves her grits. She loves her grits. And so, not no more. We don't we'll move up here. I got her away from grits. It was the best thing ever. Anyway, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm not talking about grits. I'm talking about something else. Gratitude builds grit. It makes you stronger, more resilient. I've learned that people with the most grit are people with the most gratitude. You say, well, how's that? Well, well, look at what the Apostle Paul says. He says right here in Philippians chapter 4, in one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says that I can do all this through him through Jesus, who gives me the strength. Even in the middle of his terrible situation, Paul says that I can do all things through Christ. And as you look back over his life, I'm sure at this point, Paul's an old man. He's an old man at this point. He looked back at his life, and he said, you know, I have lived with abundance. I lived with stuff, and then I have lived with poverty. But in both of those situations, Christ has sustained me. He gives me grit. He has made me stronger. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you say that? Even burdened with anxiety, can you say that you have resilience, grit, because we have Jesus. Here, here's the secret sauce. The secret sauce in the book of Philippians is this, that the entire book, the entire letter, not a big book, it has 104 verses. 104 verses in it. But out of the 104 verses, 40 times, Paul mentions Jesus Christ. That means for every two and a half verse that he wrote in this letter, he talks about Jesus. You see, my friend, when you center your life in Jesus Christ, when you make him number one, you will find that you have the grit to go through anything. So gratitude, it builds grit. And like Paul, you can say, you know, I can do almost anything with almost nothing 
because Christ is with me, because Christ is in me, because he will work through me. Number three, gratitude creates community. It creates community. The past college basketball season, we just had March Madness, but one of the greatest coaches of all time, name was Mike Krzyzewski, the head coach for Duke. He retired the past season. 42 years of basketball. He won five national championships when he was the coach for Duke. A lot of people call him Coach K. Coach K is a lot easier to pronounce than his real name. But Coach K um, credit his success in his last national championship in 2015, where he gave every player and every coach a basketball. In their very first practice, he said, I want you to take that basketball and I want you to write all the names of everybody that helped you get to the place that you're at today. Classmates, teammates, parents, teachers, coaches. Ever since you were a little child, I want you to write down the names. I know basketball players that started writing names. They started listing names on this basketball. And then they took that basketball and they took it with them wherever they went. On the bus, on the plane. Some of these guys even slept with it. It was to remind them that you're not playing for yourself. That you're playing for the people who help you get to this place in life. Powerful exercise of gratitude. You know, Paul did the same thing. Paul, in all of his letters, not just Philippians, but in all of his letters, you will see at the end a list of names of the people who have helped him to get to the place where he's at. And he will list them out, and he'll show gratitude in every one of those names. He would say to the Philippians, he said, I'm so grateful for you, Philippians, for your generosity to me. He was grateful for the gifts and for the people who brought it. Don't you find that to be true? Where you can list names of people, the things that you're grateful for, with the name to go along with it. It could be someone in your family, maybe someone you work with, a coworker, a childhood, a childhood buddy. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's a stranger that you meet on the street. See, God will show up everywhere through people who will give to you exactly what you need. And here's the, here's the takeaway as we kind of wrap this up. The takeaway for you this week is, is to do something more than just listening and say, okay, that was a good sermon. But it's to take something with you, to go home and do something with what you've heard. To take a, a piece of paper, a journal, a notebook, maybe on your phone, or put it on an app, and start listening to what? Start being grateful for the thing that you're grateful for, and then at the end of every item, put a name next to it that help you you, should, you know, you might say, I'm grateful that I know how to pray. 
and then maybe put down next to it, you know, I thank God for so-and-so who taught me how to pray. Or you can say, man, I'm thankful for the Bible that I have. And you can put down next to it, I'm thankful for the person who bought me that Bible. And you say, well, I bought it myself. Well, then you put your boss name because he paid you a salary so you can buy that Bible. And you start thanking God. You start counting the blessings. You start to lift it. And this is, listen, this is not just a one-time event. This is something you should do all the time. Start with a big list, and then every day, or every other day, you start adding maybe two or three things. You say, God, I thank you for this. I'm grateful for this. And you're constantly reminding yourself of God's grace that he bestowed upon you and upon me. And as you write down your list, I want you to pay careful attention to the fingerprints of God all over your, all over your life, through the people he has blessed you with. Make a list. By the way, if you, if you are anxious, you have a lot of anxiety. In fact, the higher your anxiety, the longer the list. The longer the list. And so the most powerful antidote for anxiety is gratitude. Where to count them? It's good for you to see it on paper not just internalize it in your head. List it. List the blessings. It takes work. It's not an easy homework. It can take some work on your part to sit out and take some time to list it down. See, it's all about the Eucharistias, Thanksgiving, gratitude. Gratitude changes your perspective. It builds grit, and it creates community. I want to close with this story. Some of you might recognize the name Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a Holocaust survivor. She and her sister Betsy, an older sister, older sister named Betsy, were helping Jewish families to hide from the persecution of Nazi Germany. In 1944, February, someone, you know, told the Nazi superiors what was happening. And so the German soldier came to arrest the Ten Boom family. Corey and Betsy were taken to a concentration camp. And they were shoved into a barrack with bunk beds stacked five highs. And each bunk bed had multiple ladies in it. Most of them, most of them half starving to death. It smelled of excrement and diseases all over the barracks. Little Corey was like, I don't understand this. Is, I don't know how we're going to survive this. I don't know how we're going to make this through. And to make things worse, after a couple of days, the body started to itch. Notice that something was biting them. They couldn't see what it was. And so they look in the daylight, kind of going through the crack of the, of the windows, and they noticed on their bodies, they were, the bodies were covered with fleas. 
Colbert was infected with fleas. Coy, Coy said, look at her sister, said, I, I don't know how we're gonna survive this. I, I don't know how we're gonna make it. And Betsy, who was a little bit stronger in her faith, looks at Coy and said, Coy, remember what we read this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter five? Well, we are to thank God for everything. Coy said, yeah, I, I know. I said, hey, listen, we, we can thank God that we're alive. Coy said, yes, we can. I can thank God that we're alive. And, 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 and Coy, we can thank God that we're together. You're right. We can thank God that we're together. And, and listen, Coy, we can thank God that we have all these ladies that don't know Jesus, that we have an opportunity to share the gospel to everybody here in the barracks. Yes, you're right. We can thank God for that. And guess what? And, and, and Betsy pulls out of her pocket a little Bible. and said, we can thank God that I smuggled this Bible and I didn't get caught. And we can have the Bible. Coy said, yes, yes, I'll thank God. You're right. I can thank God that we have the Bible. But then she looked at Betsy and said, but Betsy, listen, I am not going to thank God for the fleas. Some time passed, and Betsy was getting more sick. Couldn't even go out to work. Which, if you know your history, that's a death sentence in a concentration camp. But she had one skill left, and she could still be practical for the German soldiers. She could knit. She could sew. And German soldiers needed to make, needed dots in the cold winter. And so Betsy, even though she couldn't leave the barracks, could make stops. And she was so light and fast that she would meet her quota every day by noon so that she could spend the rest of her afternoon and the rest of, that, rest of her day telling the other ladies about Jesus. One day they were having a discussion with her and the other ladies showing. They weren't sure about how many sizes they need for different soldiers and, and for the shots and stuff like that. And, and so uh, Betsy said, I'm going I'm to go ask the, the guard to come in and, and maybe help us, you know, because they were kind of arguing a little bit. So she so stepped outside and the guard standing outside and said, hey, um, can you come inside? We've we got some questions about the shots. The guard said, no, I'm not coming inside. I'm not coming in. I said, well, we, 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 make sure, we don't want to get you guys mad. We want to make sure you have the right thing and the right number of thoughts. You need to come in. I said, I'm, listen, lady, I'm not coming in. Uh, and so Betsy said, well, can, can you go get your supervisor? The guy turned around and said, listen, none of us, not even a supervisor, is going to walk into your barracks because it's infected it's infected with fleas. We're not coming in. And Corey, I'm sorry, Betsy was beside herself. She could not wait for Corey to come in from her day of work. Finally, she came in. Betsy looked at Corey and said, Corey, I have discovered 
I have discovered why the guards don't come in at night to beat us up at night. I have discovered why the guards won't come in and find that Bible that I've smuggled in. I have discovered why the guards haven't come in to interrupt our worship service that we have every night. I have discovered why. You know why? You know why, Corey? The fleas. We can thank God for the fleas. And in that moment, Corey and Becky, thank God for the fleas. Some of you right now, you got fleas biting on you. And it's horrible. It is horrible. No one is questioning that. But can you believe in the goodness of God that God can even use the fleas to draw you closer to him? You know, as you work on your list, it's so easy to pray God for the good things. But let me ask you this. Were you having fleas on your list? Will you have any fleas? Because the very thing that will bite on you right now may be the thing that's drawing you to him. The very darkness you're going through now may be the light that someone else needs. Count your blessings. The old hymn, when I was growing up, it said, when upon life billows your tempest toss, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, the count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. List, count your blessings. Our God, we thank you for all of us here. We thank you. First of all, we thank you for your salvation. We thank you that we are blessed, not because of anything that we deserve because we deserve none of it. But we are blessed with your amazing grace of salvation. And we can be grateful and thankful because of that. So God, help us. Help us to change our perspective. God, help us to do all things through you who gives us the strength, who gives us the grit. And then, God, I pray that we, as we look at our list, we see the community of people that we need to be thankful for. You have blessed us with so many things, and sometimes we're blind to it. We're blind to the things that we need to be thankful for, the good things and the bad things. I pray you help us today to be thankful, to live with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.